Hello, leaders. I'm Archie L. Jones, Jr., and welcome to Training Camp for Leaders. As an investor, advisor, educator, and author, I've spent the last three decades developing leaders from across the globe. Now, while I may not see you in my classroom or office hours at the Harvard Business School or my coaching sessions, I'll use this podcast to share lessons to help you pursue your goals and leverage your leadership capital more confidently. On Training Camp for Leaders, you'll have access to stories and actionable advice based on the lived experiences of some of today's most accomplished leaders, executives, entrepreneurs, investors, and me, Archie L. Jones Jr. Our goal is to train you for your leadership journey. To kick us off, I wanted to tackle an important area that impacts business and economic growth, governance. Through a series of episodes, we'll talk about the importance of board service, the journey to becoming a board director, how to excel as a board member, and so much more. Even if you haven't thought about it as a part of your portfolio career, I urge you to stay on and listen. Each conversation, including what you're about to hear, is packed with useful coaching tips and wisdom for your professional development wherever you are on your journey. For our very first episode, I'm talking to James Connolly, or as I like to call him, Jamie. He coached me on my governance journey and is a trusted friend. Can you execute what you wish to do? Can you make a difference? If you want to sit on a big board as a placeholder, God bless you, but you're not going to make any difference. So as I think about it, it's do you have the fire in your belly to do it? Jamie is a partner at Womble Bond Dickinson. And for the past 20 years, he has worked with all kinds of boards and their leaders on all sorts of challenges. Jamie and I met about five years ago, and we'll get into all of that in just a bit. When I started formally thinking about how to get on a board, Jamie was one of the first people I turned to for advice. In this conversation, we get into how to prepare for board service, the do's and don'ts of serving on a board, and how to continue to evolve as a director and leader. I'd love to start at the beginning. Take us through your leadership journey. When did you start dreaming of being the master of the super litigator? Uh, how did we get there from where you started? You're kind to note awards that I have been uh, honored to have earned, but uh, <laughs> I don't hang them on my wall. I, uh, Archie, I grew up in a family where service was part of what drove a lot of personal and professional decisions. Teachers, nurses, law enforcement, EMTs, you know a number of active duty military. So service was always something that I grew up with and, and understanding that leadership was a form of service. I ended up in law. Well, if you believe my my father, God rest his soul, because I lacked the courage to do anything with my undergraduate degree. 
uh, in English and otherwise, but uh, practically it, it struck me as a way to uh, connect sort of uh, the, the sort of intellectual side of what I wanted to do with my life uh, with working with people uh, who were experiencing uh, candidly challenges. I, I never had a, a goal to help people in the way a lot of lawyers do and building companies or otherwise. I wanted to be in the trenches when they were in trouble. Uh, and I wanted to be able to help uh, particularly those with sophisticated, complicated, difficult problems uh, see their way through them. Uh, and that was sort of the opening of my, my practice of law was always to be a litigator. That was job one, day one, uh, to, to try try cases for big, successful people and win them. That was my hope. How does that tie into what your superpower is? As, as I'm taking folks through their leadership journeys, uh, one of the things we try to call out and try to help them sort out and understand is what is their superpower? What is your superpower? How'd you discover it? When'd you discover it? Sure. Uh, I'm lucky enough to say that this event is evidence of my superpower. Uh, I have great friends uh, for reasons I have never understood. But throughout my life, I have been blessed to be surrounded by people who are uh, both great people to be with and great at what they do uh, in a wide variety of fields. Uh, and I find that as I sort of try to advise my clients or even work with people doing things that, that matter to me in my personal life, I'm able to rely on a cadre of people that I do not deserve to have as friends. They are better than I deserve, and I'm lucky to know them. Count you as one of those, of course, Archie. Uh, but when you are looking to solve problems in litigation or, frankly, in any setting, I read somewhere there's wisdom in an abundance of counselors. Mm. And I'm lucky enough to be surrounded throughout my life with really great people who can help guide me in ways of thinking about problems differently than the standard litigation playbook, which begins with try to be too aggressive to be a bobcat uh, and <laughs> continues throughout, you know, a long and arduous journey. I've been lucky enough to have those people around me who've guided me to think about solutions to problems in litigation that are different than the standard playbook. You hear that, leaders? Always try to surround yourself with friends, allies and coaches you can trust and be honest with. Not only will they open up new opportunities for you, if they know you well enough, they'll let you know which opportunities are best for your skill set and goals. I'm often, and I'm fond of saying the answers in your networking is, as Jamie just called out for you, not only the answer, but a lot of his success is driven by his network, the relationships, the connections that he's able to make and leverage as a part of not only helping drive his career, but also driving the agenda of his clients as well. Jamie, as you were coming up and evolving as a leader, who coached you? Where did you get advice and counsel from? This is a great question. I have worked with great lawyers throughout my career. I started in New York and I've, I've been at multiple firms in Atlanta and I have worked with great lawyers older than me, younger than me. I've had great experts who've guided me and, and frankly, great clients who I've learned tons of things from. But I'm going to call out someone a little bit different. There's a, a man named C.J. Stewart. I suspect you know him. He's a Leadership Atlanta alum, as both of us are. And CJ runs a program that is sort of two-sided. He has a professional business, which is Diamond Directors, where he coaches everything from, you know, middle school boys all the way through professional baseball players. Uh, you know, if Pete Alonzo and Andrew Jones call him for coaching, I know he's good at the baseball job. But he also helps young men in the city of Atlanta 
in trying to develop their skills to give them professional opportunities when they might not have that opportunity, either educationally or through the environment that they grew up in. I've admired him tremendously for his work. But as a coaching issue, I learned something tremendous from him. And this is sincere as can be. You can't help everyone and your skills are not best built to solve everyone's problems. Hmm. And I've watched him meet with people who were interested in having him coach them, who were committed to their success and their journey in baseball, and watched him turn them down. And he and I've had very heartfelt conversations about it. And he said, I, I think that person, that young boy will probably play in the majors. He just doesn't need me. He doesn't need my skills. And he will be better served with someone else. As a lawyer, it's sort of hard because we're driven to generate new clients because, you know, you might be surprised to learn this, Archie. They don't pay me for my looks. Uh, you know, our work is is work for clients and new clients are exciting and new clients are what we're looking for at all times. And learning from CJ that to be a real advisor, you have to acknowledge that sometimes you're not a good match. You're not a good fit. And no matter how talented that man is, he doesn't coach everyone who knocks on his door. And I admire that. And that is something that I have tried to internalize to say, this is a serious problem and this is a difficult issue, but maybe I'm not the lawyer. Let me introduce you to my partner. Maybe I'm not the lawyer because our firm's business model doesn't fit with the size of your problem. Let me introduce you to a trusted friend in another firm in a different situation. And it's hard. Let me not lie. Turning down any new opportunity to help somebody is hard. But I learned from CJ that not everyone is able to fit with every coach, leader, or advisor. And I think as I keep getting older, I keep trying to learn that lesson again and again. As you can probably tell by now, Jamie and I are definitely a match. We met back in 2018 at Leadership Atlanta, a seven-month immersive program that brings together established leaders from across the city. If you're interested in checking that out, you can find a link in the show notes. We've been traveling together for a while now, and I'm excited for us to uh, continue that journey forward. Given that, I'd love to talk a little bit about where our journey started in Leadership Atlanta. We are class of 2018. Best damn class ever. There you go. I was going uh, <laughs> if you weren't going to say it, I was going to say it. So uh, just so there's no dispute about that. But one of the things that, and for the audience, I want you to know, you know, Jamie has been, by my definition, a coach to me on my governance journey as I started formally thinking about how to get on a board, how to think about board service as a part of my broader portfolio career. Uh, I shared with Jamie because we had gotten close through our journey in Leadership Atlanta, that that was my desire. Uh, Archie, I can't tell you how flattered I am that you would name me as a coach of yours. I know some of the talented people you've coached in your life. And I, I'm going to tell you, I think whatever role I played was on the margins. But uh, <laughs> Archie, you're, when I met you and, and as I got to know you, you are the kind of person I want associated with my clients. A combination of judgment and courage experience and intellect. And when you said that you wanted to serve on a, a, a board, I know you had had some service time before it. I was thrilled to be part of the conversation. I, as you know, uh, tapped into some of my partners and tapped into their resources to ask the broader question that I wasn't able to answer by myself. What is it that they are looking for? 
because when I think about your service, it had to be a match, Archie. You have so many talents and so many skills, and frankly, you're probably so desired as a board member. I wanted to have us have a conversation that you ended up on a board where those skills and services would be valued and where you could drive value yourself. You could be an integral part of it, not a a bolt-on board member. And I think our ongoing conversations, if you want to call them coaching, I will accept the kind flattery that they are. (laughs) But I view them more as sort of informed conversation amongst friends, thinking about what it is you could do that was different, better or other than what it was was being done already. Where could you add those skills in a way that could help a significant company or two or three as you choose move forward? I think board service is is crucial for company guidance and company leadership. And it's a hard balance. It's a difficult thing to ask someone to do, to add all of your knowledge and still not direct the company minute by minute and day by day. I think that's that's a heck of a balance. And I thought you've always had the ability to both direct and to allow people around you to succeed or fail, uh, you know, on their own work. I, I think you had the skills. Our conversations, I think, were on the margins because I think you were well-suited long before you met me, my friend. But I, I love getting to talk to you about things like here is how ESG is coming up in the boardroom. You've seen it in these settings. Let me tell you as a lawyer. Here's why, you know, cyber issues and those issues are threatening every company, not some companies, big, small, otherwise. Everyone has data and why that issue and, and being thoughtful about that is germane. Those are sort of small topical issues, but I loved having that conversation with you. And I can't tell you I was happier than hearing that you were going to be on another board. I was thrilled beyond measure. But I mean, Archie, you had to be a little bit vulnerable to confess your future dreams that were a little audacious. Uh, If you had known me as a lawyer, if you had known me as an outside counselor, maybe, right? Maybe you would have had the courage. I might not have, but maybe you would have had that courage. But knowing that we went through that journey of introspection, that journey of vulnerability, I hope it was part of what opened the door to say, hey, let me tell you about something that I'm thinking. And it's a little much. It's a stretch. Well, I'll tell you, that's the thing that I want to make sure our our listeners hear in that is, you know, we talked about connections early on, having relationships, broadening and leveraging your network. But then you've also got to share where it is that you're trying to get to. And it was, you know, magical almost at the time that I got up the courage and the confidence to start to share broadly. Here's where I want to go, right? To step out there and say uh, that I wanted to be on a public company board. Now that I was looking for an opportunity to serve. And then, you know, Jamie and other key coaches in my, in my life started actually helping to get there. And so there's an important message for you there around communicating what it is that you want to get done. It's one of our five C's. We talk about, you know, capability, culture, communication, connection, and confidence. And, you know, having a, a connection with Jamie and that comfort level to then start to communicate some of my dreams and wishes and starting to get some help there uh, is a key part of the journey. Now, some of you future leaders have already shared your goals to serve on a board. Maybe you've been talking about it for years. I applaud your ambition. But first, it's important to reflect on why you want to serve on a board. I mean, if you're going to put in all the work and take on all the responsibilities of being a director, you've got to know what you're signing up for. Our focus area here today, and maybe with one of the 
the biggest questions out there for leaders who are listening, who are even thinking about starting or embarking on a governance journey is to really ask kind of their why, why they would do it. It's no small undertaking. It's got some real risk to it. It's got some opportunities to it, obviously, but it's also got a lot of hard work with it. And I often ask for a lot of things before I jump in, is the juice worth the squeeze, (laughs) right? Is the journey really worth all of the effort that it takes to get there? And I'd love to get your perspective on, A, is it worth it, um, given some of the risk? And as a lawyer, you spend a lot of time thinking about the risk associated with governance. Is the upside and the opportunity worth the risk? And then I'll back that up with, is that answer true for everyone or is that a specific set of folks that it's most applicable to? It's a great question. And I'll give you the best lawyer answer I can give. It depends. Uh, I'm contractually obligated with my JD to use that answer to one question at least once an hour. Uh, But the reality is, yes, board service and governance roles are worth it for the right people in the right settings. And and that's a lot of qualifiers, but I'll kind of back it out just a little bit. There is a fit for talented people who are willing to make the commitment to add tremendous value. But as I told you earlier, I learned from CJ Stewart and watching him turn down people who wanted to work with him, that not all opportunities are a fit for all people. Board service, governance leadership, these are crucial. These are central to the development of public companies, of private companies, uh, of investments, of a variety of different professional matters. Frankly, uh, pro bono and sort of not-for-profits need those board members too. And if you think a not-for-profit board is an easy road, you've never served on one <laughs> because it requires maybe not the same commitment, but also requires a commitment. And so as you think about whether or not it's worth it to me, I always try to think about whether or not this opportunity is worth it to this individual because there is that fit, because there is that combination of capability and culture. I learned that somewhere. Let me think about who I learned that from. (laughs) But it, it really is a great synopsis of two of the things that you have to have before you undertake the journey of that leadership type. Look, there's lots of leaders. You can lead in your church and you can lead in your you know, communities, you can lead in a variety of ways and they all have value. This is a different kind of leadership. This is putting more risk on yourself. This is taking on some responsibility, not merely for your own professional journey, but for the professional journeys of tens, hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands of people employed by these companies. That's a lift. I mean, that's a real undertaking. That's not something to be done where you say, well, if it all craps out, I can go back to decline cats professionally, <laughs> right? You're not talking about your own professional life. You're talking about the lives of hundreds and hundreds of people. Mm. And that's a leadership role. And you may never meet those people. Yeah. If you're serving on a board, you're not working frequently with people who are loading the docks, right? But you're just responsible for them. And you are responsible, most importantly, for guiding that organization and guiding its senior leadership. And boy, howdy, occasionally replacing its senior leadership. You want to talk about a difficult conversation, walk onto a board, and then nine months from now, ask yourself whether the senior officer is up to the task of leading into the next generation. Right. It's your job. It's maybe the most important thing you have to do as a board member, but boy, it isn't easy. Give me some of those risks. 
I know there's a long list of them, but if you're speaking to a novice or someone coming up the curve as to, and all you see is the bright lights and the, you know, all of the cool things that go along and boondoggles to board meeting and retreats and the like, tell me about the risk side of things. What concerns should they have or should they be on the lookout for that potentially come along with board service? Sure. You know, the first risk to me is it is a substantial commitment of time and effort and that is a risk that takes you away from your primary professional goal. It is not something you do in a convenient time on the weekends. And it is not a great ski trip and a nice dinner and a pleasant meeting four times a year. And then you get a fee for that. Anybody who gets into board service doing that is doing themselves and their company a disservice. It is a regular commitment to supervision of the business. I think you might be able to say better than I can. There are late night phone calls. There are problems that crop up at an inopportune time for your main professional life. And you have to be able to balance. So to me, there is a risk to your own professional journey. It is a prestigious thing to serve on a company's board. And it is, in some eyes, even more prestigious to serve on a public company's board. But you are leading an organization that not only then has its stakeholders in the form of its owners, shareholders or, you know, investors, you have stakeholders who are your employees. You have stakeholders who are your regulators. If you go on a public company board, you have the SEC sitting out there observing you and with clear guidance and rules as to how you have to conduct your business. And they don't always agree with you about whether or not you have met their clear guidance and rules. And uh, that's where I come in uh, is when you have those (laughs) sorts of disagreements. But uh, the reality is they matter and they're important. So you are taking away from your professional life. You have a wide variety of stakeholders with, uh, frankly, not always identical interests. Uh, the interests of your employees and the interests of your shareholders are not aligned at all circumstances and all times. And then there's present conversation about whether or not large companies also have stakeholders in the greater community. What role do we play in pollution? What role do we play in water usage? No matter how good our products are, if we're using water to create them and farmers downstream can't grow their crops, there's a conversation to be had that a board member has to be part of. I don't know that there's a bright line answer to any of it. But so when you put yourself in a situation where four or five or six different groups or organizations or interests are asking you to help make informed judgments to guide the company, not manage it, but guide it, then you have the risk that if someone disagrees with it, they're going to take it to you for blame. And and that's a, a practical reality of board service is there is a risk of regulatory investigation. There's a risk of regulatory lawsuit. There's a risk of shareholder lawsuits and board members get named in shareholder lawsuits. It happens and it is a, a risk that you take, whether the company is perfectly run or run in a less than ideal fashion. It can happen even if things are going well. And it certainly happens at downtime. Be amazed how many people get angry when they lose money. <laughs> okay, so you shared your goal. You've accepted all the risks. Now, how do you prepare yourself for success on a board? Well, now is a good time to take out a pen and some paper because Jamie's about to give you a list of what you should know before you pursue any new board opportunity. For a director looking at either their first seat or a new seat on any board, but let's say in particular for a public company board, 
What are the kind of things, a few to a handful of things that you'd say, you know, before you say yes, things that you ought to know or at least have done some homework on? Certainly. And that's great. And it's a it's a great thing to be talking about. It is flattering to even be considered for such a position. And it is easy to be excited about it. And I think most of the time people should be. And that doesn't mean you shouldn't do exactly what you just suggested, which is do your diligence. As I think about it, there are certain kind of table stakes levels of issues. You should read the company's historical financial statements and read everything that you can get your hands on written about the company. I'm not saying to dive into the hell of message boards, but read everything reasonable written about the company's history. And to me, I think it it sort of breaks down into a couple of pieces. You should understand the fit, which is both what is the position that is being requested and what is it that you bring to that table. If you don't know the company's history, you won't understand what they need. And in fact, if you're not a little introspective, as you suggested earlier, you won't know where you're at your best. I think that question of investment is a significant one. Are you investing your time in a way that is good for the company and good for them? And that requires you to have some real serious conversations during your interview process about what it is that they're seeking for you and what is it that they're asking of you to serve at as you think through your, you know, sort of going forward role. I think reputation, I tell you, you got to know it. There are great companies that do things that people don't like. Whether you're a gun company, a cannabis company, a bank, uh, you know, that reputational risk is significant. And if you are going to have your judgment impaired by that reputational challenge, someone's going to throw red paint at you no matter what you do. Uh, somebody is mad at someone in America for every position they've ever held, at least yes. in my experience. So if that reputation risk is going to impair your ability to exercise your judgment, to me, I think that's something you need to consider and deeply dive into. And to me, the last thing is, can you execute what you wish to do? Can you make a difference? If you want to sit on a big board as a placeholder, God bless you, but you're not going to make any difference. If your vision and the company's vision for execution going forward are aligned, I think it's an opportunity you can seriously consider. So as I think about it, it's do you have the fire in your belly to do it? And do you have the drive forward to see that the company's next generation is something that you could be a part of guiding? It's a hard thing to think about. Again, we talk about this all the time, to lead but not manage, right? And Archie, you may have better intel on that balance, but that's got to be tough for someone as smart as you. It is. I mean, how do you do it? (laughs) How do you step back from managing? Because board members don't manage the company, right? They don't make day-to-day decisions. They lead. How do you step back from management? Most of the time you spend your time asking thoughtful questions of management, right? And and assessing that data and assessing those answers that you get back and gently providing guidance, or at least here's how I've thought about that in the past or how I would think about that, but not saying that this is the answer to what you ought to do next, but providing, again, I say often, particularly as it relates to board roles, My job is to make sure that the managers and the leadership teams that I'm working with, they're holding my best advice at any given point. But it's just that. It's advice. I've sat in in the senior leadership role and been responsible for the execution. And there I'm given more than opinion. I'm actually putting my neck on the line and driving directives. But in this case, 
my job as an advisor, as a coach, which is what I feel like that is when you're on a board is again, they're the players on the field. They're going to execute the plays. I can give you some views and thoughts about how you want to do that and give you again, my, the benefit of my best advice and maybe some cautionary tales about why what you're thinking about hasn't worked for me in the past. You know, you may, <laughs> may work for you. You may get lucky with that, but that's my main objective is again, make sure that they're holding my best advice and to do a lot of listening and then pressure testing with the thoughts that they come back with uh, is generally how I try to add that advice or bring that value. I like that. I think that's wonderful to hear because uh, we see it all the time. No one gets asked to be on a board who hasn't led before. That's true. That's true. Jamie, you've seen a lot of boards, worked with a lot of boards, continue to do so. On the subject of board diversity, why is it important? Where have you seen it be? be as beneficial as, you know, as at least described as something beneficial for boards? Is that a view you hold? And where have you seen it actually play out in terms of boards? Without giving specifics, obviously, we're, we're, we're not going to be talking about any company names or specific board scenarios, but in the general or, or overall, where have you seen that play out? And I appreciate it. And that caveat is fair. I'm not speaking about any of my clients or past clients. I'll speak about it in generalities. Uh, do I believe that diversity on a board is important? Uh, yes, but I don't really adopt the word diversity to mean somebody at the table has a different skin color than me or that somebody has a different biological gender or identification than I do. I don't think that's diversity. I think what the boards that I see that thrive the best are is they have diversity of thought. And a lot of that is informed by your background, by your biology, by your experience. And I absolutely think that genuine diversity of thought is valuable. I absolutely reject tokenism. I don't think, you know, X person sits in the room because they have Y biological. I don't think that's useful. And I don't think that that's generally what the boards that I'm aware of in the most general sense want. I'm sure that exists somewhere in the world. Uh, that's fine. But I don't see that when I have seen people who say, I would like to have a more diverse board, either out of the C-suite or out of the you know chairmanship. I believe it is a genuine desire to have new ideas, to have a different view, to have a, you know, an, a different way of thinking about that same problem. As large companies grow, they evolve, right? Nobody is making the same products they were making 30 years ago and selling them to the same people. Yeah. You know, the population domestically is different and the population of their target audience is different internationally. Having someone who isn't the people who were there 30 years ago has value. Doesn't mean the people who were there 30 years ago don't. It's just a diversity of thought that I think is candidly pretty well informed by a different experience. Archie, let's say that thing out loud you're never supposed to say. Your experience growing up as a black man in America is different than my experience growing up as a white man in America. It is. It's different. It, it just is. And what you bring to the table is informed by your biology, just like mine is. And that's a positive thing. When you have differences that allow your thought to become at something differently, to consider customers differently, to consider management's role differently. That diversity of thought can be educational. It can be biological. It can be a lot of things. And to me, it is inescapable that boards must have diversity of thought to fully vet through important issues. And that's true of every client I know and every person I've known who has served on a board. They're better suited when 
there are different ways of thinking about problems and different experiences as they come to the table. I think if anybody's doing the same thing they were doing 40 years ago, they're out of business. Jamie's right. Diversity is a great asset. And yet we have so many underrepresented leaders out there. This is why I created Next Gen Coach Network, a global leadership firm that empowers and coaches the next generation of leaders. Recently, Next Gen Coach Network and Wamobon Dickinson partnered to launch a governance training camp. Our goal for the training camp is to educate and empower the next generation of board directors. We're excited about it. I know the Wamba folks are excited about it. Jamie, what? Give me some sense of how you thought about when when you first heard the idea, how you thought about it, and what excites the folks at Wamba about partnering together to train and develop the next generation of directors. Archie, it came out of the same thing we talked about earlier, that personal connection, that personal communication you and I had. Talk about shared values. Uh, Our firm represents some very large companies, but a lot of them are sizable companies without being, you know, Home Depot or Berkshire Hathaway. And they need talented directors. You and I both know through Leadership Atlanta and through our professional lives, people who are, frankly, shockingly talented, even at at a younger age, who haven't yet served on a board. And as you pointed out, there is a call for diversity of thought and diversity of experience and diversity of background and biology to serve on the next generation of boards. Those things all sit down together with our sort of core values, as far as I can see. We're not just your lawyers when you get sued or your lawyers when you need to buy somebody. We're interested in our client success. And to me, some of that is giving them access to talented people who can assist them in moving forward. And you pitched it, Archie, and you said, you know, we've got all these people. We know all these talented people and none of them serve. What gets them over the line to consideration? And that's a real question and a real problem. It's hard for a board to say, hey, this person would be great. They have never served before. Mm. Right? As a board, you're bringing on a new team member who has never served that takes a pause, and you know why it does. It does. Right? And so what is the thing that helps those talented people who have not yet had that opportunity bridge that gap? Bridge that. It's not a credibility gap based on their experience or their talent. It's a credibility gap based on their service in this capacity. Well, our hope is, as you have laid out, that a training program that gives them grounding in the issues they will see as a board, messaging as to how to connect themselves to the right opportunities, and puts them in places to succeed, there's nobody who loses. Talented people get opportunities to lead. That's great. Good companies get brand new, fancy, smart board members who've been well-trained. That's great. Who's unhappy with that? Everybody wins when you have better leadership in good companies. Everybody wins. And that next generation of board leaders are going to be different than the ones that came before them. The technology is different. The people whose voices are heard in the rooms are different. Frankly, the customers of these businesses are different. They're different than they were 50 years ago. And preparing people for the challenges of modern board leadership 
it is different than what I do for a living. I hope at no point that any people that you help uh, coach and train ever need my services. <laughs> it is my fond hope uh, that they don't cross over into shareholder litigation or white collar crime at any point where they need to call me. As we wrap up this conversation, I asked Jamie for one thing he thinks every board member needs in order to succeed. Find your coach. Mm. Find your trusted advisor. Every person who sits on a board has been credentialed as successful through their career. It's just the case. Nobody sits on a board anymore because they're the golfing buddy of the CEO or because, you know, they're the 'er ne'er-do-well stepson of somebody or other. That's not who our boards are anymore, despite all the jokes you would imagine about closely held companies. I don't think that's the case at all. But every one of them are credentialed, talented, educated, informed. They come to things with their own opinion. And to me, everyone needs to challenge those. They need to challenge their own opinions. They need to think about how to expand it. So what I tell people is every board member needs to have a coach. It can be a senior board member, right? It can be the longest serving executive board member who's been there a long time and seen that company from its history, who can provide context to your decisions. It can be an outsider, right? It can absolutely be a lawyer who doesn't charge you every time you call them, but just wants to kick around ideas about this or that or, you know, sort of the other issue, it can really be an advisor in a variety of different settings. And so having a coach that supports your personal journey and your personal role to me is the only uniform piece of advice I can give because, and let's also say this, that coach can change. You can say that early on in my career, I'm going to listen to the senior most board member who's been here 30 years, learn the company's history, and I'm going to rotate off that coach for first call when I'm appointed the chair of the comp committee, right? I may need some different vision. I may need a different guide, a different side post. You know, when I get take, when I'm the person who has to take over ESG and I have to Google, what does that, what's the S again? Uh, (laughs) You know, I need to go get somebody who is facile and fluid and buried in that world so they can help me think about it. And I I think every board member who has a trusted advisor is going to serve better. And to seek that coach out and to grab them and to buy them dinner and to go out to this event and that event so you surround yourself with talent. To me, every director needs to have someone they can trust who they can call. And if it happens to be a lawyer at Womble, uh, all the better. I love it. So training camp for leaders, I want you to hear three things that came out of that. One is even coaches need coaching. I mean, as a board member, as an advisor, which is what you are uh, as a board member, you need to have coaches as well. You need to have a trusted advisor. The second piece ties to his earlier point about how hard work it is, how much hard work there is. There's a huge continuing education piece there. There isn't a one and done if I pass the exam to be a, a director or I've read everything that I could have known up through, you know, last year and now I've, I know it all. Um, you got to continue to learn. The space is evolving. Companies are dynamic. The industries are dynamic. The global marketplace is dynamic. And so you're never really done learning. There's this continuing education. And then last but not least, I think coachability. 
which we'll touch on in another episode, even though, again, you are the coach, you are the advisor, you need to be coachable. And so when you're reaching out to these senior advisors for help, for counsel, you need to be ready to take that advice and be thoughtful about how you take in advice and and put that forward into practice. Uh, so I appreciate that, Jamie. That was absolutely fantastic. Well, it's just, it's crucial. Imagine if your doctor said, I got my MD. I haven't been to a training in 30 years. Let's go in for surgery. Whoa, whoa. It's a skilled profession and you nailed it, Archie. It is necessary that you keep your skills sharp and that you evolve. Leaders, board service isn't a destination but a journey unto itself. If you want to thrive as a director and benefit the boards you serve on, you need to keep learning and maintain a student's mindset. To learn more about NextGen Coach Network's governance training camp, please visit our website at nextgencoachnetwork.com governance. And that's N-X-G-E-N coachnetwork.com. If you're an experienced leader or aspiring to be one, and want to connect with me, visit archieljonesjr.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please don't forget to subscribe to Training Camp for Leaders with Archiel Jones Jr. so you don't miss out on episodes in the future. Please also rate the show and leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. Training Camp for Leaders with Archiel Jones Jr is produced by NextGen Coach Network and Human Group Media. If you want to learn more about NextGen Coach Network, visit nextgencoachnetwork.com. And again, that's N-X-G-E-N coachnetwork.com. Thank you so much for joining us, and I'll catch you in the next episode.